Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hands Mercenary Company. And I'm afraid that whilst I always enjoy talking to you all, today's topic is about facing up to our actions and the consequences that they have. Of course, I wish to talk about Wither the Seed, a potent winter curse that was, rightly or wrongly, laid upon the territory of Brickeliand. Now this was in part to halt the Valorant's growth and allow us an opportunity as an empire to attack this most dire threat directly. However, with such a potent and powerful curse in place, it has ramifications that will affect us all. So please sit back, relax, and allow me to regale you with the tale of what has been and the decisions that we shall need to make. At the recent summer solstice, the Navari performed the potent curse with the seed on the territory of Rakeliand. The magic was used to hinder the Valorn in allowing the Empire to exploit a crucial weakness and try to claim more territory from our ancient enemy. While the winter ritual has succeeded in inhibiting and sapping the energy of the Valorn, it has taken a deadly toll on those Navar eking out an existence in the territory. With every passing year, fewer and fewer children will be born in the territory and it will get worse over the three decades that the curse endures. Faced with this grim future, the people of Brakeliand have appealed to the nation to find some way to lift the terrible curse. They can enjoy its baneful energies for long enough to allow the Navari to press the advantage against the Valorn, but if the curse cannot be lifted, they will be faced with a grim future. The idea of giving up on Bekeliand is deeply unpalatable, but so is the idea of seeing one's line wither and die. The thought of enduring that for 30 years is simply more than many of them can bear. In response, the Navarre Assembly have called for debates to seek out ways that the curse might be lifted. Corey Wayfarer raised the judgment and with the backing of the greater majority of the assembly, he agreed to spread word throughout the land, urging the people of the nation to seek out ways this hideous curse might be broken. There are a variety we could choose from, coins, princes, stars, friends and endings. To begin with coins, commissions could be built to provide the Vates with potions to help power their magic. And there are two obvious ways the curse might be broken, either using powerful spring magic to try and directly counter the effects, or perversely using powerful winter magic to try and weaken the magic enough to end it. Either is likely to require the Navarre to perform a powerful ritual, using a regio that will potentially need to be defended from the Valorn and perhaps other threats as well. It's not possible to perform the ritual at Anvil, since Brickeliand is not part of the Empire at the moment. 
getting enough fate to be able to cast a powerful ritual is not an easy task, and it is harder still if those magicians have to leave Anvil to do so. What would make it easier, potentially much easier, is if the Navarre have a good cache of powerful potions that boost a ritualist's ability to draw on the power of their appropriate realm. Such potions are not cheap, but they last until they are used. So if the Navarre can start acquiring them now, then a stockpile will ready itself in time. A number of Vates make suggestions for commissions that might provide one or more useful resources, but the biggest problem is that nobody is quite certain at this stage whether they need spring or winter magic. Indeed, one Vate even suggests that they might use a powerful night ritual to try and disrupt or mutate the shape of the curse into something else. The argument continues for some time, until Nima Swan's rest, a broker who specialises in the purchase of potions, suggests that what is really needed here is some flexibility. The resources the Navarre need already exist. They just need someone to connect them up. She proposes to commission the broker's chain a set of three small offices, one in Pekedstead in Thrunin, one in Treji in Hycenia, and one in the darling city of Seren. Normally something like this would need three different commissions and three different citizens to run the offices, but the Navarre are masters of linking people up across the empire, and thus the civil service have confirmed that the Navarre could construct the broker's chain with a single commission and have it overseen by a single Navarre citizen. Nima's idea is elegantly simple. The Navarre Assembly can use a statement of principle to spread the word of whatever potions the nation needs throughout the empire. Navarre Stridings can purchase the potions wherever they become available and then just drop them in at the next broker's chain office that they happen to pass or else pass them on to another striding who can. It will need money to make it work, of course, but it's a simple, elegant solution that would leverage the one thing the Navarre do better than anybody else. Going everywhere and talking to everyone. The broker's chain would require a senate motion or a way leave to authorise and would require a single commission, the, uh, the slots that are allocated to build. It would require at least 16 wains of weirwoods and cost 32 crowns, but it could be built in a single season. Once complete, a new imperial title would be born, the Factor of the Broker's Chain. Quite a mighty title, if you ask me. This would need to be a Navari appointment, of course, preferably a broker, hopefully for obvious reasons. But Nima suggests that it would work best if it were a Navarre National Assembly appointment, since the position would have to work closely with the Navarre in the Synod. Initially, the broker's chain would allow the factor to invest money each season to purchase one or more vernal balm potions, or even a talon vine infusion, if the ilium could be found to pay for it. However, if needed, the Navarre Assembly could use a statement of principle to encourage all the brokers connected to the chain 
to look out for any chance to buy the equivalent potions that exist for the other realms. That is they could change to the equivalent potions from the decoctions of hoarfrost, the unguents of falling leaves, the tinctures of true eminence, the lambent essences or the magnum opus. The one flaw, however, in a broker's chain is that it would only work if all three offices were up and running. If the region one of them was in were captured or overrun, then the entire network would become inoperable until it was regained or replaced. The next option is the use of princes, and there is a rumour of a ritual text possessed by the princes of Jarm that might remove the curse of Wither the Seed. Drustan Broxgard is a middle-aged fate who travelled widely in his youth, including long periods spent travelling and studying in Jarm. According to Drustan, he once stayed in Vezak, where he encountered a young Jarmish prince by the name of Reina Telep, whose family ruled the principality of Hordoba. Hordoba was engaged in a furious struggle with the neighbouring principality of Gargina, with each side accusing the other of cursing their territory. Thus, Drustan was arrested by the Hordoba authorities on suspicion of spying for Gargina, and endured months of imprisonment and painful questioning. The relevance of this story is that during his interrogation, Raina Telep visited him in his cell to gloat over his defeat. Justin recalls that the young prince seemed convinced that he was part of Gargina's schemes, and that he had helped to create the powerful winter curse that was afflicting Hordoba, causing misery and infertility. Raina had come to boast having secured possession of a powerful spring ritual text. She claimed was more than powerful enough to shatter Gargina's curse. Drustin was eventually released and swiftly returned to the Empire, vowing never to return to Jarm again, and hoping to forget the unpleasant memories. Now, of course, the entire event suddenly seems like it could be relevant. If this Prince Reyna is still alive, if she still has access to the ritual text, then her family might be persuaded to allow the Navar to use it. Fortunately, the civil service are able to confirm that they believe Prince Reyna Telep is still alive and part of the family that rules the Principality of Hordoba, and they have provided details to allow the Navar to send a winged message to her if they wish to do so. Drustan warns, however, that the ritual text is unlikely to come cheap. He considers the Telep's to be unusually greedy for now and self-serving, even by the standards of Jarm's corrupt majocracy. But that is still likely to be cheaper than codifying a high-level spring ritual. Next up is that we could use the stars and a potent enchantment using priceless ilium might unmake the curse. What magic has wrought, magic can often undo. It is only the ever a matter of cost. So says Gethin, a vate who dwells at the star's end striding in the Aran, 
The problem is that the price to undo some acts can be immeasurably higher than the cost to perform the action in the first place. Geffen likes to demonstrate this principle with a simple lesson for his students, where he takes a cheap clay vase, shatters it with a single blow of his cudgel, and then challenges his pupils to use magic to put it back together. It is so much easier to change your mind than it is to change your actions. Still, it can be done. It can always be done. Provided, of course, you are prepared to foot the bill. And Gethin has spent years studying the power of Ilium, the priceless star metal that provides near limitless power to magic when used in enchantments. Drawing on his long years of experience, he has created a spring arcane projection that would directly counter the power of the curse in Rakeliand. The enchantment is surprisingly low level. It is only magnitude 30, and for those of you who are not fates, including myself, apparently that's low. But it employs some simple spring magics designed to boost fertility in an area. Normally, such a ritual would have no chance of overcoming the power of such a potent curse like Wither the Seed. But Gethin has designed their arcane projection to work explicitly in Brachiliand to account for some of the current conditions there and to counter them. A spring effect that would provide a permanent boost to the fertility in the region. But using star metal to give it a power the Winter Curse could not overcome. For as long as the Winter Curse endured, the Ilium-bound enchantment would be a match for it. And therein lies the cost. Gethin's arcane projection could easily be performed. It seems difficult to imagine that the Navarre could not find a coven able to perform a spring ritual of such magnitude, even unmastered. They would have to wait until an opportunity arose to perform the ritual in the territory, of course. But more importantly, they would need to foot the bill. Gethin's arcane projection required a king's ransom. Ninety. Nine. Zero. Ninety rings of Ilium are required to perform it. Of course, once the Winter Curse faded, the permanent enchantment would have to be dealt with. But that would be in three decades' time. Plenty of time to find a solution to that problem. Right? Moving on from stars, we could reach out to our friends. Particularly in Urizen, the Citadel Guard, their national army, could provide the focus needed to target Brachelian with a ritual. One of the key challenges facing the Navarre is that they want to break the curse they put on Brachelian, and they will need to identify a suitable regio that is accessible via the Sentinel Gate, and then convince enough fates to risk their lives to travel there. The Sentinel Gate responds to the whims of fate, so it's reasonable to imagine that at some point it might provide an opportunity to travel to a powerful regio in Brachiliand. They are likely, however, going to have to sit on their hands and wait for that to happen. That alone is frustrating, to say nothing of the challenges faced when such an opportunity does eventually surface. Two things. 
two things would make the task facing in the VAR significantly easier. If they could determine the point at which they were ready to attempt to break the ritual, rather than waiting to see what fate has provided, then they will not be left sitting on their hands. More importantly, if they could perform the ritual from Anvil, they would gain all the benefits of employing a powerful regio, and it would be vastly easier to gather enough magicians together to perform such a ritual. You know, risk of death and all that. Fortunately, both of those goals could be achieved in a single stroke by one of the nations in the Empire, Uruzen. The Uruzen army possesses a unique quality, as it has so many magicians that it can act as a focal point for imperial magic, allowing the Empire to cast rituals from Anvil on any territory where it is present. If Uruzen would agree to move the Citadel Guard to Brickelliand in advance of the summit where the Navarre were ready to perform their ritual, then the magic could be done at Anvil at a time of the Navarre's choosing. Sadly, the Citadel Guard is in great demand, partly for its unique quality, but mostly to defend the Urizen homeland from the depredations of the Druge and the Grendel. Urizen has struggled to repel not one but two invasions in recent years, one from the south and one from the east. As a result, it has lost territory on two fronts. First, Zenith fell to the Druge, and then our Senate ceded Spiral in a peace treaty to the Grendel, the same treaty that saw Theros ceded to the same barbarians. And as a result, the very existence of the Citadel Guard remains in doubt, as the Urizeni struggle to support their army, having lost so much territory. So the Navarre must ask themselves, what price might the Urizeni require in return for their aid in breaking the curse on Brickelliand? And as a final option, we could look at endings. The Eternal Kaela could end the curse, but requires a heavy price for doing so. One of the magicians of the Quiet Words striving a notoriously solitary fate called Ellen has apparently been negotiating with a herald of the Queen of Silence to see if she can secure her help in breaking the curse on Brickelliand. While it may seem strange to some to seek the use of winter magic to break a winter curse, experienced ritual magicians understand that there is a solid logic underpinning Ellen's actions. According to ritual theory, Ending things is one of the most powerful resonances of winter magic, and no eternal more strongly embodies this idea than the dark between the stars. Her name is often evoked in rituals designed to break bonds, curses, and other magics. It is one thing to evoke her name. There is power in names, certainly. But what if the Lady of Oblivion could be persuaded to give her aid directly? Ellen claims that she has negotiated a deal with Kaela, but she warns that the cost is terrible and maybe more than the Navarre are willing to bear. The cold-hearted is concerned with the inevitable end of things and according to imperial law, she respects those who strive to hold back the end as long as they accept that the end is inevitable, that there is no hope.
Her herald has confirmed that the cold-hearted one honours the Nabar determination to fight for the Kellyand. But if she is to provide her aid in that quest, it must come at a price. In the end, everything falls. Everything ends. The price for her aid is the territory of the Atherton. The Queen of Silence does not want the territory. She demands only that the Navari give it up. But they acknowledge that it is gone. That their vigil there has come to an end. That it has failed. The Navarans that I speak as well, one of our warriors who has fought for this territory. I admit fully that the Navarre have struggled to defend Leatherton, having endured a bloody war with the Jotun for control of the territory, and as of spring of 381, year of the Empire, only a small handful of steadings and stridings remain in the territory. The ranging presence of the Valornspawn makes wide areas of the territory as dangerous as a Valorn heart. The Navarre still control West Ranging and Westward, but it is questionable what they are achieving at this point. In return for her aid, Kaela requires the Navari Assembly to pass the following mandate. <coughs> Actions have consequences. If we are to save one territory, we must accept that another is lost. Our vigil in the Atherton is ended and we send a chosen priest with 50 Lao to urge every Navarre dwelling there to return and to accept that while the Valorn of the Atherton is still our responsibility, the forests themselves are not. If this mandate is passed, then the majority of Navarre will accept that the Atherton is no longer a Navari territory. Every resource in the territory would then be in a foreign territory as a result and the imperial treasury would receive no taxation but would no longer have to pay any costs to maintain it. Kayela apparently does not require the empire to formally cede any regions. However her herald warns that the followers of Kayela in the Atherton would move swiftly to claim the two regions with the assistance of her grim legions. She would, of course, expect to see no resistance in this action. The Lady of the Grim Host would take a dim view if the Navarre were to break their word in this matter. The Silent Queen's Herald is at pains to stress that the Navarre should only enact this mandate if they accept that their territory and their authority in the Atherton has ended, and warns that the Navarre would make a powerful enemy if they took her aid and later attempted to renew their claim to that territory in any way. In return for this terrible price, one I personally, dear listeners, am not prepared to play. In return for this terrible price, Kayla would provide the Navarre with the things they need to break the curse. Ellen is not specific about what form that aid might take, but she is adamant that such a thing is within Kayla's power. She is said to be able to end anything that exists, even another Eternal. 
There is no doubt at all that Kayla would provide the means to end this mortal magic were she minded to do so. And finally, Ellen would like it noted that she and her family were born in the Atherton, and that she only joined the quiet word striding after she was forced to flee when her home was destroyed by the Jotun barbarians. It would break her heart to give up all hope of ever reclaiming the Atherton. But she is prepared to pay that price to save Brickeliant. So, dear listeners, there you have it. Actions have consequences. <laughs>